This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Harvey Levin here. Charlie Knapp here. Jason Beckerman. Courtney here. So, are we all back from vacation finally? Yes, yeah. we are. Oh, good. Back to reality. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're going to start with a really, really sad, devastating story uh, that we broke yesterday on the website. Uh, Bob Saget died. Uh, he died in a hotel room in Orlando. And uh, we do not know the cause of death. They're saying it's not drugs, it's not foul play, but it's going to take a bit for them to figure exactly what happened. Um, He was not responding, apparently, to calls. The security came in and they found him. What I find, I I, got to tell you, the outpouring, not just generally, but from the, 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 the community and comedy is really stunning. And I have to tell you, before we broke this story, we talked to some comedians and they were just devastated to a person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you start looking at like what Pete Davidson just posted today. He never posts. What Pete Davidson said is almost defines Bob Saget. Yeah, he came along and said that he was, uh, you know, when he when Pete was struggling through some mental health issues, he turned to Bob Saget. Bob Saget was there for him, really offered him a lot of consolation. consolation and really some kind words that helped Pete get through some very difficult times. And it's two people that I don't think that uh, at least I was unaware that they even knew each other there for well, no, he, he said that he like stayed on the hours on the phone like with his mom to like think of like different ways to like help him with like, what else that they could to do. find doctors yeah to yeah. do anything I, I mean, think everybody knows him as like America's dad yeah. too and of course this is coming on the heels of losing Betty White America's grandmother and so well, it's, it's just, just so sad. shocking because he posted 17 hours before that he was in Jacksonville and that he was so surprised that he was doing a two hour show and he was like I'm addicted to this shit again and so it's just so crazy because he was posting on social media he was being active he was on tour and then just to find him dead in a hotel it's just it was shocking and you so know, sad and, and one of the i'm not going to say who but one of the comedians that i spoke with before we put the story up was telling me exactly the same thing that he had such a rough time during covid and the thrill of getting back on stage and it really parroted what bob saget had said yeah and they all kind you know it is a real community yeah. i mean much more so than most jobs this is a real like family yeah and you feel it when you talk to you know a lot of people in comedy yeah Yeah. i mean they spend these 12 hours a a day together sometimes long into the nights until two and three in the morning playing these clubs these junkets especially when you're a young comedian and you really do develop this sense of community and bob saget had become sort of the dad or the granddad of this community in many many ways and he made a huge impact on a lot of people. What's interesting to me about Saget is he reinvented himself after the Full House days. Mm-hmm. He's most famous for that. He then started doing sort of edgier stuff. I remember he had a great sort of four or five episode swing on Entourage where he was this really filthy, yes. you know, sex-driven s- character. You're skipping over what my generation knows him for, America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, there is like, that. that was, he was a great host on that. I, my generation doesn't really know him as a comedian. We know him from America's uh, Funniest Home Videos or maybe a little bit of Fuller House and when you go to San Francisco it's always fun to like get a photo in front of the yeah. cute little houses and but I did forget so about sad. Entourage 
sketch his character on that. Oh one. yeah, so he like did like transform on it. Betty White and Sidney Poitier, who also passed oh. very recently. Right. I think these are three of the most beloved people, like universally beloved. Not a bad word said about any of them. Of course, Betty White and Sidney Poitier. They were very Older, old. It was their yeah. time. And it's so shocking with Bob Saget because he was only 65. He had just done the comedy show. For and he's all, like alone in a hotel room. You never want your last moments to be like that. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Well, and John Stamos said that he's never going to find another friend like him. Yeah. yeah. No, that I mean, was such a sad thing. I know. It, it's just really heartbreaking. But, you know, just the love that has come out is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're going to move on. I want to really want to talk about Djokovic. Um, Novak Djokovic now has the all clear from immigration in Australia uh, to stay there yes. and presumably to play. So um, I guess the logic behind it is that he had COVID. And I guess what he's saying is that I have a certain amount of immunity now from getting it again. And I guess that's the basis on which they said there was a medical exemption. Right. Hmm. So explain to me why the anger? I mean, look, you, you may agree with that or disagree with that, and it sounds like the guy is anti-vax, and I get that, but it seems like there's a different level to him. Why are people so anti-Djokovic? Well, because I think that people think that he's getting special treatment for being able to get into the country and being able to go play. Right. Because you normally can't get in, and you normally won't be able to, like, fight the courts and win. He is kind of getting special treatment. No? Well, I feel like it. Like, court I said, couldn't go the there right now. no. Yeah, I think there's two reasons. Number one is the one you're talking about, right? It seems like here's a wealthy guy who, but for his talent and his money, wouldn't have gotten the exemption because he just wouldn't know how to fight the system. But that's that's one thing. The second thing is there's just the fact that he's a he's an anti-vaxer, right? And and the majority of people, the especially the louder people right now, are pro-vax. And I think that yes, he decided maybe he under the laws of Australia could get in and maybe he's playing and maybe it should be lawful and all that's great and the laws are what they are. But there's still this sense that somebody who has decided not to get vac vaccinated is coming in, potentially jeopardizing other people, whether that's scientifically valid or not, that somebody who's not vaccinated is more dangerous to other people or not. But there's this perception that we're not getting vaccinated necessarily to protect ourselves. We're getting vaccinated because that's what we do as a community to all be in this together and to someday get through this whole thing and we can get past it. And he's not playing by that rule. And I think ultimately that's what it is. If he was just somebody who was vaccinated, but had nevertheless suffered from it and couldn't get through for whatever reason, couldn't get through immigration for whatever reason, there'd be a lot more compassion. But because he's anti-vax and because he's a rich dude who gets away with everything, as mm -hmm. all rich people do, I think there's Two reasons for the animosity. I, I think him. the last thing you said has it, it, it is it may be preeminent here. Um, look, I get the anti-vax thing for sure, but when I was watching um, this weekend, um, they were talking about he's just not very popular yes. even in in the sport. Right. Um, and I don't know whether it's arrogance or what it is, but it just feels like that there's a backdrop of this. Interesting. It just felt more, you know, get him, get him, get yeah. him than most situations. And then ultimately now, the judge has said he has a right to stay. Right. So now does he play? I, of, of, course. Course. of course he That's plays. That's what he's there for. I think he plays, but does... Yes. Well, no, but my question is, do the, do the people who run the Australian Open have power beyond what the immigration court had? But they've already proved him to play, I right? Think he, was there, he was there to play. He wasn't there yeah. to like to try out to play. He was there to play. So will or he, travel. Will he, be, will he be cheered or booed? Oh, interesting. Oh. I think smattering mm -hmm. of both, right? I think 
mostly booed. People yeah, in Australia are tight. They're, they're, well, yeah, it's all down. it's going to be mostly Australians there because other people can't get in. That's so true. it will be all Australian That's fans. True. So how's That's true? I don't think he's going to be cheered. I know. I, I think you're right. I think he's going to be booed, and if he wins. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens when he kisses the trophy. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one's <laughs> no going to want to go near it. Well, well, I mean, it's, but, you know, and now, I mean, the thing now is apparently he was positive on December 16th. He interacted with people and now they're trying to figure out, did he know? That would be a whole different situation if he knew. That probably wouldn't affect his status in Australia, right? That just makes him a bad guy or not a bad yeah. guy. Right. Or whatever he But don't you have to provide like a negative COVID test when you're traveling to the country? So then wouldn't he have tested positive if he was trying to go there? Well, he did test and he tested positive on December 16th. The issue is, did he get the results back before he started interacting yeah. with all the people that he did? Because there are photographs of him mm -hmm. with a lot of, you know, young tennis players and others. Right. So uh, that remains to be seen. But I, I don't know. I just found it really. There, there is, it is interesting. I hadn't thought about the fact that he is widely disliked. The stories are out there. You know, the three preeminent tennis players of his generation. It's it's Djokovic and then it's Nadal, Nadal. Nadal and Federer. Nadal and Federer are two of the most beloved people in the entire sport that ever have been. Great champions. And Djokovic comes up and he's kind of a jerk. And yeah. nobody really likes him. And Nadal and, Federer, Nadal and Federer don't really like him. And it's been pretty clear. Well, and also, and, and so, and also if people are rooting for Nadal and Federer, they don't want uh, Djokovic to win because yes. he's yeah. about to surpass them. Well, he is. I think mm -hmm. one or two more wins. Two more he's the all-time right. um, and majors champion of uh, you I know, know. And I think there's a lot of, that might be true. Okay, so now uh, to the absurd. Julia Fox, Kanye's <laughs> girlfriend, is a big Kardashian fan. Yeah, mm -hmm. go figure. I've been watching Keeping Up since it first came out in like 2007 when like. Watching it was embarrassing. Yeah, me and Julia are, OG are like diehard Kardashian OG. fans. Like we yeah. watched season one, episode one as it aired. Yeah. Like there was no press around them. No one knew who they were. Like I was watching it like season premiere. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. it was like very embarrassing to be a Kardashian I like wanted fan. them to be my family. Yeah, no, they are my family. They are. They are. <laughs> they are my family. Like Love I'm the guys. biggest Kardashian stan. I mean, everyone's a Kardashian. I know fan. it's hard to Even find the a, haters. It's are fans. hard to find a girl that's not okay, at least so liking one of them. So let's now kind of set the table. So she is with Kanye. Um, they have been together for a week. They have. <laughs> a week. Well, they have been together for <laughs> a week. It's been a hell of a week, though. Yeah, it really has. He is dressing her. He, you know, he's making out with her in the floor with this photographer nearby and everything else. So there are a lot of people who are saying, "Look, is this?" a real boyfriend-girlfriend type thing, or is this Kanye trying to make him jealous? Well, Kanye did this with Kim Kardashian. When they first started dating, he completely, like, cleaned out her closet and then redressed Transformed her. Transformed And, her. like, did everything. So I think he is trying to make Kim jealous, be like, look, I created you. I can create someone else just as good as you. So, but I'm getting to her. So, it, it, you She know, loves this. She must just Of course, she, like, released a dream. statement about yeah. it, saying, uh, like, how how this is, like, a whirlwind romance, and she's, like, in it and, like, excited to see where it she, goes like, next. She, like, came to a room and was all just these amazing designers, like, for her. Like, who wouldn't want now, this? Now, didn't she say something about Kim and Pete in that uh, she had said that she was happy about it? or uh, There was something... 
a nod to the success. Yeah. I feel like, yes. But of course you're going to be happy about it because you want this to keep going as yeah. long as Kim's with Pete. Yeah. And the thing is, is that Hollywood is so small. Everyone knows everyone. Like we know that Julia Rose had done like a photo shoot with Pete Davidson way back in the mm-hmm. day. And now she's saying that she's like been a huge fan of the Kardashian show for years since like what, 2007 yeah. or whatever? Yeah. It, you so, really like, think about connected. it. it, it putting aside Kanye's idiosyncrasies and, and you know sometimes weirdness or whatever isn't Julia Fox leading the exact princess life that you learn about in fairy tales yes like every girl is like conditioned the Hollywood princess yeah, life exactly yes. where this like you know super famous person comes sweeps you off your feet wines mm-hmm. and dines you and like you know puts is you buying, on these dates that are is buying you $20,000 outfits and the yes. whole thing it's it's it is the classic Cinderella story I, almost it's, this yeah. feels more like supermarket sweep than it does Cinderella <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, okay, I'm taking this and this and this. <laughs> Get what you can while you can. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're no princess, Harvey. That was, uh, you don't understand what it's like for. <laughs> um, you know, I I, I want to talk about something that. Um, well, wait, well, do you think Kim cares? That's my thing. Like, I think, do you she's think she's just kind of like, oh, the rebound. Like, you know that- how you kind of like. Yeah. I don't know. I have like a side eye. Don't you think she's like, thank God. Yes, he has something to entertain him now with. Right. I think this probably gives her so much relief, and it's the complete opposite effect that what he wanted. And there's been reports that Kim's only doing like group dates with Pete Davidson. Yeah. She's like worried that Kanye will like snap. So now that he has like a new shiny object in front of him, it kind of like makes it easy, easier for her to continue on. (laughs) She's (laughs) quite (laughs) shiny. She's quite shiny. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. I, I, I want to talk about something that I did this weekend, Ooh. which was essentially... Oh, you're going to be very disappointed <laughs> yeah. in a second. It's going to be like, I went for a swim, and then yeah. I worked out at the gym and took a nap. That was after that. Well, oh. <laughs> yeah, those three things are just about right. No, no nap. <laughs> but I, I literally spent the entire weekend, day and night, reading Jamie Raskin's book. Jamie Raskin, the congressman from Maryland, mm-hmm. who um, was the leader, really, in the impeachment fight... Uh, for the second impeachment of Donald Trump after the insurrection, but also the Jamie Raskin who lost his son to suicide, literally buried his son the day before the January 6th insurrection. He wrote a book called Unthinkable. And 
this book has just blown me away. Um, it is, first of all, he may be the best writer I've ever read, ever. He has the, his, his vocabulary is so expansive and it's so moving and he can paint such a colorful picture of everything that just the prose in this thing, are, I, I just can't get over it, how good a writer he is and how smart he is and compassionate. But I am telling you that his son was 25 years old when he killed himself. And um, he did that on G on uh, December 30th and uh, of 2000 of 2020. And he um, his son was a second year student, uh, a law student at Harvard. 2021, just before the insurrection was. Well, well December. Was so it would have been 2020. December of 2020. My, my mistake. Okay. 2020. And so um, he was a, a second year law student at Harvard and he was this great looking brilliant. I mean, this kid was so brilliant that it, it's, it's remarkable how smart this kid was, um, has had everything going for him, but he was struggling with mental illness. He had, you know, crippling anxiety and depression and they would try and control it and it would work for a while and things would trigger it. COVID really got, got to him. And what he talks a lot about in the book and, and, and there's an intersection in this book between the insurrection and his son's suicide that the congressman has weaved together in such an amazing way. But he talks about how he feels like he missed so many signs of his son. And I have to tell you, from my vantage point, he's an incredible father mm -hmm. because, I mean, he had showed this kid so much love and they knew about his depression and were really trying to deal with it. But the one thing they didn't talk to him about is suicide. And what Raskin is saying is it is so important to confront it head on and literally ask him, are you thinking of suicide? And I never really thought of it, but he was saying that this needs to be talked about openly and that. Did he say why he never asked him? Like, were they just nervous about he, it? Yeah, he said that he said that that there are. It didn't really occur to him mm -hmm. because he missed some of the warning signs in the last day, he said, you know, when he his son seemed a little bit listless and, you know, just not quite himself. But he never suspected that was going on. But he knew there, there was something a little bit off. And I think he was just questioning himself and saying, look, I've missed things. And he really was in many ways beating himself up. But in that, he was trying to work through it. And you see him in the book working through all of this and trying to help other people and talking about these anecdotes, how Nancy Pelosi helped him where she was just so compassionate with him and would call him all the time and talk about suicide and how it helped him and how he talked to psychologists about this. I didn't know this, but it's important to actually raise that issue. But when you see this struggle embodied in a kid that has everything going for him and you see this these loving parents it just underscores oh my god and 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 yet I, I can't explain this book there was something about this book that was also so uplifting to hear a guy you know who has always been an optimist and who was able to pick himself up the day after he buried his son and go to the capitol endure the insurrection and then become a leader again. It, it's just, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry for it's going moving. on and on.
But 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 what's interesting? I, I read a little bit about Jamie Raskin, full fledged genius, right? I mean, full fledged genius. He was magna cum laude from Harvard undergrad, magna cum laude from Harvard Harvard Law School. Went on to be a constitutional law professor, an professor at American University, and then is one of, one of the impeachment managers in the second time through against Donald Trump. But you know, a full fledged genius and intellectual and i can't imagine what it's like to at the same time you're living this this life in congress to also be dealing with a son at home who clearly is have, showing signs of of mental um anguish and then but you i can imagine as a parent that you don't want to confront the idea that he might be suicidal because you can't imagine that eventuality. You think you'll work through it. I just hope he doesn't have any guilt by saying like, oh, there were signs. I wish I asked. Like you can never. He gets, he does say that in the book. I mean, he, how do you not, he feels, but I got to tell you, he was, when you read it, he was such a good father. Yeah. I mean, such yeah. a good father to this kid. And they but, loved but mental illness, mental illness, you know, it doesn't matter how good of parents you have or how rich you True. are or whatever. It affects everybody and anybody. And sometimes you know, a lot of people just hope for the best. You might think or you might know that someone is struggling, but you like hope that they're able to get through it. And I think you have to break that barrier consistently and ask people like what he's saying. Like, we do need to start asking people, like, how are you doing? Especially during COVID times, a lot of people that didn't even have any mental health struggles started to. That's true. So, I mean, now we just have to make sure that everyone is okay going forward. I, I think it's a great message I, he's I presenting. He said in the book something just unbelievable. I think it's about kids under 25. And it was some something like um, they, did, they did a survey. How many of these kids thought about suicide in the last... 14 or 21 days, I forgot what it was. And it was something like, what, one out of 14 or something yeah. crazy yeah, number. And now it's one out of seven. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it's, we are going through a really rough time with young people. I mean, it's just, I, I want to tell, I want to end on a really, I, this kid, Tommy, his son, was so incredibly brilliant. And I mean, there are a million examples of this where he taught Jamie Raskin things about the Constitution mm -hmm. and about impeachment. And I mean, this kid was so brilliant, you know, when he was a young adult. But there was a story that just stuck with me. When he was in middle school, this kid, there was something going on in his school where somebody cheated. And Tommy told his dad that cheating, I mean, if I said to you, why is cheating bad? What would you say? dishonest yeah yeah it's not fair that's yeah. what i would say yeah you know what he said this is a middle school he said the reason cheating is so bad is that it disincentivizes teachers to teach because they know kids are going to take shortcuts this is a middle schooler <laughs> yeah, coming up with that concept yeah. i mean it, this kid was so incredibly brilliant yeah. yeah and the book is laced with these stories yeah uh, it, it's so worth reading. It's called Unthinkable. I want to read it, but I feel like you just told me everything that's in I know. <laughs> Can I tell you something else? Yeah. And, like when and, the trailer says a no, lot more No, 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 no. I'm telling you, I have not given anything away. This book is so good. The way he describes January 6th, I have watched countless store, you know, news reports on it, read things on it, covered it. Mm -hmm. There is nobody who has explained it with the color and the vivid detail like like Jamie Raskin because he was there yeah. and he knows how to paint that picture and it's a remarkable book I, you just gotta read it anyway um, we will see you Wednesday folks <laughs>